of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Ohio State, Indiana, Saturday right here on WHBC. Pre-game 1030, kickoff 12 noon. You're in Columbus this weekend, right, JT? All weekend long. What time will you kick things off at your tailgate party there on Lane Avenue? Well, first of all, we've got Urban Myers Friday night at 5 o'clock inside. So right. the weather's no issue. It's going to rain Friday night. We're inside at Urban Myers Friday. Saturday, Lane Avenue, we'll get things rolling about 730. 730 a.m.? Well, it's oh, a man. noon kickoff. we got to get yeah, four or five hours I in. I guess. <laughs> Kegs and eggs. Uh, get out there early. Go see JT and get ready for the Buckeyes uh, to whoop up on the Indiana Hoosiers. And to break it all down for us, we go to the hotline right now. Bring in the outstanding Buckeyes beat reporter at bucknuts.com. Follow him on Twitter at Steve Hellwagon. He is Steve Hellwagon. How are you today, Steve? I'm doing good. Better bring your parka because it's going to be cold mm. down here this weekend. The high temperature on Saturday is going to be about 42 degrees. So the weather we're getting now, enjoy it now because uh, it looks like it's going by the wayside here. Yikes. Steve, before we get to this week's game, I want to go back to last week's game. We had a buddy of ours, Frank Salona. Uh, he went to the game at Northwestern as a fan, was out in the stands uh, for all four quarters. So he experienced the weather that was there, and he told us, it was ridiculously bad. From your perspective, I don't know if before the game you were down on the field, after the game, but I know in the press box you're watching it. Uh, what was the weather like from your perspective? Yeah, I'd say it's one of the worst weather games I've ever attended in all the years I've been doing this. And, uh, you know, the gusts probably from 15 to 40 miles per hour, and the winds were pretty steady. The flags were standing pretty much straight up. And uh, it just, if you were going against the wind, there just wasn't a whole lot you were going to be able to do on offense uh, from what I could see. And then it rained. I mean, it was kind of a steady rain, but right before halftime, it started pouring down rain. So imagine those winds with rain kind of, you know, hitting you in the face as well, how much fun that had to be. But uh, yeah, it was... uh, it, it looked like I have videos of people standing out there at the stadium. It looked like those guys from the Weather Channel down in in Florida waiting for the storms to come in because the flaps on their rain suits are going every which way. And yeah, it was just uh, it was a mess. And you know, not to make any excuses for anybody, but weather can be a great equalizer when it's that bad. And I think that's part of what we saw last Saturday. Kenny, you'll remember when we were in college, we had a defensive line coach. His name was Larry Van Dusen. May he rest in peace. He used to tell us every time there was going to be bad weather, we would practice, and he would always say this. I can remember to this day, adjust to the elements. Steve Hellwagon, my question to you is, how do you feel the Buckeyes adjusted to the elements? Because I don't think they did. No, I thought Northwestern had a better plan, was better prepared for it than Ohio State, and I, it seemed at times like Ohio State just thought, well, we're the better team in terms of talent and uh, size and depth and everything else, and we're just going to out-talent Northwestern and the wind. And it didn't work out that way, obviously. It was 7-7 seven to seven at halftime. They didn't pull ahead till the third quarter, and 
really didn't put it away till about the middle of the fourth quarter. So uh, great job, I thought, on the whole by the defense. I mean, to only give up seven points, although they did allow Northwestern to convert nine of 23rd downs. And there were some issues uh, defending the run game, the Wildcat run and the quarterback run in particular. Those two plays really chewed up Ohio State at times uh, defensively. But in the red zone, I think they were 0-4, 0-4 rather, on uh, fourth down. So when the the money was on the line, the the Buckeyes got off the field more times than not. And, uh, you know, just one of those days where uh, I didn't feel offensively that the plan – uh, you, you know, I, I didn't understand throwing downfield in heavy winds like they did probably five or six times. Didn't make much sense. And uh, certainly they tried to keep pounded mind Williams in there, but it seemed like he was playing hurt. And, uh, you know, I even asked Coach Day after the game if they thought about putting the freshman Dallin Hayden in the game just as a change of pace, uh, maybe to change the eye angle or, or something. Uh, for Northwestern, which was just teeing off on Williams and, and not letting him do a whole lot. Steve, they did end up winning the game 21-7. And part oh, of it had to so. do – yeah, right. Part of it had to do with C.J. Stroud finally, 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 almost two years into his quarterback uh, run at Ohio State, finally running the football. He showed he can do it. Uh, there's a debate. Is it because he doesn't want to run the football, or is it because Ryan Day doesn't want him running the football, but they were forced to do it to win this game? What What's your uh, input on that? Yeah, I think Coach Day pretty much came out and said that it's always been his, his mind that uh, Stroud should not run the football, and they lived through the situation with uh, Justin Fields the two years prior where he did run the ball at times and got beat up, and, you know, by the time they're going to play in the playoff against Clemson and Alabama, you know, he was kind of beaten up a little bit. So maybe he wasn't as effective as he could have been. And, and obviously, I, I don't think much would have changed that Alabama result. That was a pretty bad day. But uh, at any rate, I just think that uh, he sees the meal ticket with C.J. Stroud throwing the football and does not want to risk putting him in harm's way and breaking a leg or you know, breaking an ankle or even a spraining an ankle or a knee and, and, right. and losing him for the key games, which are coming up. I mean, they play Maryland on the road next week, back home with Michigan, then the Big Ten championship game. And figuratively, obviously, you're going to be in the playoff if you win all those games. And you could still even get into the playoff if you lose the Michigan game, if some things fall your way. So the way things are shaping up right now so i don't know i uh, i see it both ways but obviously a desperate times called for desperate measures and uh, he kept it obviously on the one play and picked up a critical third down uh ran it i think a total of six times for 77 yards or thereabouts had a 44 yard run that put him in the red zone it was too bad he didn't get to finish it with a touchdown on the next play and he tried but he couldn't quite get in there and then Williams knocked it in on the next play. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's a wrinkle that's now there. And if they need it against Michigan uh, to convert a third down or whatever, to keep plays alive, you know, now that uh, he's got that ability and the willingness and the, the ability, most importantly, to go do it. Steve, do you think 
besides that ability of C.J. Stroud that the Buckeyes could use, do you expect a team like Maryland or even Michigan or both to look at what Northwestern did a little bit with the Wildcat and try to exploit the Buckeyes' defense that way because they had some success with it? You know, that's entirely possible. It was uh, interesting. One of the guys who goes to a lot of the Ohio State games was there at Northwestern, covers, you know, the team, and he leaned in on one of the Wildcat plays. He goes, look at this. The safeties are still lined up 10 or 15 yards downfield against the Wildcat, and that guy's not going to throw the football. I mean, they needed to have every gap covered, and uh, they didn't do that. And the Wildcat allows the running back uh, to pick which hole he wants you know, as soon as he receives the snap, well, he's got the defense at a disadvantage before they can even react. And, uh, you know, he exploited that. Uh, Devin Hall, he's an outstanding running back. Regardless, he had 1,000 yards last year for Northwestern. But uh, that that really played to his strength when they didn't, uh, you know, fight fire with fire by stacking the line of scrimmage against him, just as his defense had done to mine Williams. So, Uh, The Buckeyes were a little slow on the uptake with the the Wildcat and definitely a little slow with the quarterback run. Uh, Brendan Sullivan, the backup quarterback, making just his third start for Northwestern. He kept it. He ran it probably 10 times for over 50 yards. And I know he converted four very critical third downs for them. Uh, You know, runs of 15, eight, six yards, six yards, converting those third downs. And the Buckeyes seemed to have no no plan what to do with the quarterback run. There was nobody spying the quarterback on those plays when, when he took it. So, you know, some things for them to work on. But, again, I don't think we're going to see conditions like that. I think what you're going to see is uh, teams running their offense to try and maximize what they can do against uh, whatever the Ohio State defense brings on that given day. Steve Hellwagon, our guest, joining us here on the hotline from Bucknuts.com, talking OSU. And now let's talk OSU-Indiana, Steve. What can you tell us about the walking wounded? Who's in, who's out, who's questionable for Saturday's game against the Hoosiers? Yeah, we're waiting to find out a little bit more about that. Travion Henderson, obviously, the running back, missed the game last week and left Mayan Williams, who had, who had come out of the Penn State game around halftime after he hit the yard marker there and injured his wrist. Uh, he played the entire game for the most part there uh, on Saturday. And so I think it would definitely behoove Ohio State to have Travion Henderson back uh, this game, next game, whenever it is, but for the important games, certainly. Uh, so that's one. I doubt they'll see Jackson Smith the Jigba again before Michigan. Uh, he wasn't even practicing, it seems, last week. Haven't got a vibe on that this week, but can't imagine there's any reason for him to play against Indiana either. So it uh, looks like uh, otherwise they're, they're in pretty good shape. Cameron Brown on defense, a cornerback, they're missing him, but uh, J.K. Johnson is filled in other than getting uh, juked by a hole on that touchdown run. Johnson's played pretty good uh, on, on at the hole there at uh, cornerback. So, uh, you know, they're getting closer to full strength, but uh, Henderson's a big one to me. you got to get him back in there because Williams, you know, as much as you like him, he's not a 20, 20 carry a back guy. I mean, right. against a good good opponent, I just I think there's a diminishing return what he can give you because he just typically is not going to break it, particularly when he's not playing healthy either. So uh, I think you need both those backs healthy and going. Steve, a couple of things come to mind. I used to be in the beer business. 
And when I worked in Alliance, it was a competitor of ours, but he was like why, my— Why would you have ever quit the beer business, it's by not... the way? That, that's a heck of a business that I— I, I, I'm in the beer business three or four nights a week. I, I was, I was, hey, it ain't I everything. The beer business. It ain't everything it's cracked up to be. Let's just put it at that. But the margins what, are bad. That's right. <laughs> but one of my favorite competitors was a beer driver for another company, and his name was Fryfogel, and I never forgot it. And that brings me to this because this kid was a competitor too. A couple of years ago, I believe it was 2020. I'll never forget. Ty Fryfogel. Puts up 218 yards, three touchdowns against the Buckeyes in Columbus. Buckeyes walk away 42-35 winners. We're not going to see another guy like this from Indiana, are we? No, I tend to doubt it. And obviously the quarterback they had that day, uh, Michael Penix Jr., he's now at Washington. He threw for almost 500 yards, I think, that day for Indiana as well. And that was the, the biggest Ohio State-Indiana game probably in my lifetime, you know, when they were both ranked in the top ten. But uh Really, from that moment on, it's been nothing but uh, bad news for Indiana. They went on and lost their bowl game at the end of that season. And in the two seasons since then, they were 0-9 Big Ten last year and 1-5 this year. That's 1-14 in their last 15 Big Ten games. The one win was over Illinois, which is the leader in the Western Division. They somehow edged one out against them back in the season opener back in September. But, uh, yeah, it's been a mess. And uh, the starting quarterback, Connor Basilic, uh, transferred in from Missouri. He's done okay. Uh, they won the first three games of the year, have lost the last six. And he was banged up, didn't play last week at Penn State. Uh, they got uh, drubbed in that game, I think a 30-point loss. And uh, it was the backup, Jack Tuttle, who filled in for him. He got hurt, and a true freshman had to go in and finish it. But Tom Allen, the coach there, said that Basilic will probably play uh, this week against Ohio State. Honestly, I have done zero study on Indiana. I am with all this basketball stuff going on and everything else. I am, I'm a little behind on my Indiana study, other than to know they're a 40-point underdog and don't seem to be posing much of a threat. Uh, uh, they're three and six. They got to win out to go to a bowl game, and they're certainly not going to win uh, in Columbus. They haven't won in Columbus since 1988 or 87, I guess. I think uh, Earl Bruce called it the darkest day, uh, and, and he was out of a job not long after that. So, uh, yeah, it, uh, it's been a, been a long time between drinks of water for Indiana coming to Columbus. Steve Hellwagon, our guest. Steve, real quick, a couple of things. College football playoff committee ranks him number two last night. Were you surprised that they stayed at two, or were you expecting maybe a drop to three? No, I think two's probably right right now. I think uh, the committee was was – good enough to realize the extreme conditions and not take the result, you know, against Ohio state. Uh, I think that uh, their body of work has been pretty strong. Their game control, their dominance, uh, outstanding play, both offense and defense all season long, pretty much. They, I think it's Georgia one, Ohio state two, Michigan three. I like that they had TCU four. They had them uh, undefeated, obviously as a power five team deserves to be there ahead of Tennessee with the one loss, even though Tennessee has beaten Alabama and LSU. But, uh, you know, they, they didn't play particularly well against Georgia either. And then I think it's Oregon six. So I, I, I really like the way they've got it stacked up right now. I think they did as good a job for the committee in ranking these teams as, as I can recall in one of these weekly reveals. All right, so that's one thing with the Buckeyes and rankings. What about C.J. Stroud's Heisman rankings? He was the favorite going into games last week. Did that 
performance or lack thereof hurt his chances? Did it drop him down, or do you think things are the same for C.J.? He's still the favorite because he's got that Michigan game to really shine. Yeah, and Hendon Hooker was the other guy at the top of all the lists, and obviously Tennessee lost, and he didn't play particularly well in that. So a lot of the the shine has come off of Hendon Hooker's candidacy, and and Stroud almost by default is back up at number one. But um, I can't recall anybody ever backing into the Heisman Trophy. So I think if he wants to win it, which honestly I think – he wants Ohio State to win the national championship is, is the way he's always professed it. And then whatever comes out of that will be fine. But if he is to win it, let's put it that way, he does need to play better here these last three or four games. And I think I think you'll see that. I, I don't think the conditions on Saturday will be a deterrent. It, as we said, in the 40s, uh, light winds probably on Saturday. So uh, Indiana gave up 45 points to Penn State. So uh, put that as your benchmark, you know, for Ohio State trying to clip that this week at home. We'll see if the Buckeyes can do that. Steve, one question a buddy of mine asked me said, okay, they're number two in the rankings, and they're undefeated, they're 9-0, and but have they played anybody? Well, Notre Dame looked horrible early in the season, losing to Marshall, but they go out and beat Clemson this past week. Penn State, you look at them, they're now, what, 7-2. and two. Their losses are to Michigan and Ohio State. Uh, so how, how do you view the opposition that Ohio State's played so far in trying to figure out how good the Buckeyes really are? That's a great question. And, you know, all you can do is play the teams that are on your schedule. Uh, Notre Dame obviously had a couple bad losses, Marshall and, and uh, Stanford. You know, you shouldn't lose to those teams, obviously. Uh, right. But they played an outstanding game this past week against the team everybody had in the top four with Clemson. So you got to give them a little bit of credit. They've got a tough game, I think, next week with USC or the week after. Maybe it's the week after they have to play USC, and we'll see if, if they can win that game and finish 9-3, and three, then they're legitimate. If they lose that game, finish 8-4, then – their borderline top 25 and, and whatever uh, Penn state to me, you know, seems like they're going to win out, end up 10 and two. And that's pretty good. They'll probably end up in one of the new year six bowls, like the, the cotton bowl or the orange bowl or somewhere like that. And that'll be a good, good uh, result for them. And obviously when you play Michigan here, I mean, it's hard to, you know, last game of the year to play a team that's any better than number three in the country in 11 and zero. that's going to speak for itself. So that it's all going to come out in the wash. I know Ohio State and Michigan have four common opponents so far. You take those four out, uh, the five teams Ohio State's played have 20 wins combined. Michigan's uh, five teams have 18 wins combined, so they're pretty comparable. And Michigan's actually going to gain some ground with, on Ohio State in terms of strength of schedule because they play Illinois next week, which will be the best team from the West. Ohio State won't play anybody from the West quite like that, so that'll kind of cancel out Notre Dame a little bit for Ohio State. But uh, – yeah, I mean, again, they they in Michigan will settle their issue on the field, and then it becomes the seeding, uh, you know, how you do that. But I got to believe if Georgia wins out there, the one, and Ohio State wins out there, the two, and and that's that'll be how it shakes out. Steve, can we turn our attention to uh, basketball real quick before we let you go sure. here? And I want to turn, and I don't know if you covered it. If not, uh, somebody uh, there at Bucknuts did, and if there was any buzz about last night's win by the women's team over oh, Tennessee. Yeah. 
the number five team in the country comes to the number 14 team in the country, and we've got interest in it for two reasons. Taylor Mikesell, uh, I think this is her fifth or sixth year, whatever it is, playing college basketball, her final year. She dropped 25 in the win for the Buckeyes last night, and also um, for the uh, the Lady Buckeyes, um, J.C. Um, Sheldon. Sheldon, her father... Yeah, her father used to be the head coach of BW's basketball team, so I know him. He's now at Dublin Kaufman uh, as the AD. So we've got a couple of uh, local interest stories in that. How good can this women's team be this year, especially after opening up the season with an upset win over Tennessee at home last night? I think you have to be very excited. Uh, Ohio State has only had one Final Four team in its history. That was in 1993 with Katie Smith. They lost to Texas Tech. In the national championship game, Cheryl Swoops was playing for Texas Tech. So that goes back a ways, 30 years yep. almost. And this may be the best team Ohio State's had since then. And they've won a bunch of Big Ten championships, but very rarely have made this even the Sweet 16. Last year they made it and lost to Texas uh, in the Sweet 16, who had a very good team. But Ohio State showed last night they were down 12 points, second quarter, came back, outscored. Uh, Tennessee 54 to 34 in the second half, won it going away. Taylor Mike sell 25 points. JC Sheldon, I, I think if there's any young kids out there who want to learn and watch somebody on how to play the game of basketball, watch JC Sheldon. She's number four for Ohio State. She never stops. She's constant motion. There's no wasted effort, no wasted motion. She always makes the right play and uh, rarely takes bad shots. And, uh, I think she had eight steals last night, seven yeah. assists and eight steals, 14 points, something like that. So she didn't have her A game going shooting the ball, but she impacts the game so many ways. And boys, girls, whoever, anybody who wants to be a good basketball player, put the tape of the game on for last night and just watch number four. The closest thing I can think of, guys, I was too young for this, is John Havlicek. They talked about how wow. he could run and run and run and run all day. And you knew he was a great defender. You knew he, you know, did everything. Uh, to me, she's the that type of a player. Never stops. She played 39 minutes. Hardly came off the court. So uh, you can't say enough good things about her. And I'm interested to see how far they can take this. I don't know that they're going to win the national championship, but to start out the way that they did, that was a good good beginning. He's got depth this year too, Coach. Uh, uh, Coach uh, McNutt there, he's got uh, got some depth with the team as well. Yeah, and, and the thing is, we always hear about a coach's son. Well, this is a coach's daughter, and she plays like it too. So, uh, yeah, fun to watch. And Taylor, I saw the highlights. Hell, Scott Van Pelt was showing the highlights last night on SportsCenter. You knew it was a big game when they're showing the highlights of uh, women's basketball, Tennessee and Ohio State. Uh, and Taylor Mikesell was draining triples from all over the arena last night. So some excitement there to follow along with uh, Buckeyes football here. Steve, we always appreciate the time. Keep up the fantastic work there at Bucknuts.com. Enjoy the game this week, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, bud? All right, man. Take care. There he is, Steve Hellwagon, checking in on the hotline with us, talking Ohio State football and, yes, Ohio State women's basketball.